0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined, as always, by the amazing, incomparable Spencer Horn in Royal Purple. Spencer, how are you? I'm great, Christian. How are you today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Hanging in there.
1: Yeah. How how many weeks is this now that we've been in lockdown
0: well gosh i don't know was it been five six weeks something like that
1: yeah it's it it seems uh, it seems like a little tough this week for me i don't know about you but it just seems like i've been doing so great and so excited but it just seems like uh you know i i I need uh, to make some thought adjustments i think i'm doing pretty well but it's uh feeling a little muddled today i don't know about you
0: uh yeah, I think so. I think so. Although I have to say I received a nice word of encouragement from my mother. <laughs> now, I have to tell you this story. So, um this is proof that someone actually listens to our podcast and I'm really excited. We've actually had a lot of views or or uh, downloads, I should say of the podcast. One of those happens to be my mother. My mother is a service missionary in our church and her role is employment. So she's helping people find jobs. And she listened to one of the first podcasts that we did when we talked about how to do remote meetings. She said, man, that was, that was really helpful. I ended up, uh, I've put a lot of the tips into practice that you've talked about, that you and Spencer have talked about on the podcast. So, shout out to my mom who's listening to the podcast. But um, that's great. That makes me feel good. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we'll get more feedback as we do these podcasts from our listeners uh, that they contact us and let us know how these podcasts are helping them.
1: Yeah, no, that is fantastic. You know, one of the reasons why I feel like a little challenge today is, you know, people are talking about working. Less And what I'm seeing is that I find people are actually working more because of the opportunities to help people right now are exponentially increased. And my inbox is just overflowing, which is really exciting. But at the same time, that creates different problems. And so that's actually one of the things I want to talk about today is when we talk about team performance, Christian, all of us behave and communicate in very predictable and unique ways and how we communicate has been developed over a lifetime and i'm you know i want to keep this brief and focused today but basically our natural tendencies have been reinforced by our environment by our experiences and so each of us over time develop these patterns and and traits that become fairly predictable and they can be measured based on preferences. Now, that doesn't mean you always behave this way, right? You have natural tendencies, but as you become aware of that, or it's necessary, you can shift and adapt your natural style. It just takes energy. The better we are able to understand our natural tendencies, the more we're actually able to adapt and adjust to environments to be more effective. However, under pressure, it is harder for us to adapt. It takes more energy for us To shift and adapt. And so, as a result, sometimes our differences collide with each other and create a drag on team performance. They create uh, chaos and, and dysfunction, which reduces our performance and reduces our ability to be effective.
0: I think this is really interesting. And I'm glad that we're talking about this today. One of the reasons that I'm glad about it is I've actually been thinking about this topic. In a different way, but I've been realizing as I've been interacting at home with my wife and my children and also professionally with colleagues, with potential clients, that the tone of the conversation is a direct result of the choices that I make. I hear something. How do I respond? Do I take a defensive posture or do I follow another approach? And when things are calm... I find that I, I can actually think that through, right? I can, I can, I have a little bit of a strategy, but when times get difficult or when there's pressure, sometimes I forget to consider the consequences of my responses. And sometimes those lead to less than optimal results.
1: So you, you, you have, you have stated that very succinctly and effectively and what happens under pressure is that we tend to go to what's called our backup style. So our natural style is what I was describing a minute ago of how we will respond naturally to communication, right? But our backup style is kind of the, the dark side of our, our profile and all of us have them. So I want to describe the natural style. And, and remember, this is, this is not a, a prescriptive Christian. This is who you are. and This is how you'll behave in every circumstance. What it is, is your natural tendency. But as you said, when you have energy and you and things are calm, you can actually adapt your nat- natural style to the situation, to who you're communicating with, to get the best response possible. But what happens when you run out of energy? What happens when you're tired? What happens when you're frustrated? What happens when you feel like it's just not worth it anymore? Then what will happen is you will tap into what's called a backup style, which is kind of the... The worst of our natural, our natural behavioral tendencies.
0: Well, Spencer, I have a question. What are these various styles, and how do I know which style I am?
1: Great, great question. So, identifying behavior has been around since uh, Hippocrates, who is the you know ancient Greek doctor. He actually identified uh, multiple uh, behavioral styles. You can look that up. In the 20s, a, a gentleman by the name of William Marston was a, a physiological psychologist. He was brilliant. And what he found is that based on a couple of uh, quadrants, you can identify some, some main things. And he didn't create the first assessment. and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But what he said is that based on how you see the world, you will behave accordingly. So... If you were to take it, let's just take it in your mind, take a vertical line, right? And on the left side of that sheet of paper or vertical line, people on that side see the world as negative. They see the world as a problem or challenges in the world. Naturally, they see those things first. Everybody on the right side sees all the positive things in the people and events and occurrences around them. So one of those is not more correct than the other. They're just different, right? So for example, If you say to me, Hey, Spencer, I need you to come to my office. And I happen to be on the left side. I'm like, "Uh Oh, what did I do wrong? Which has happened to me before because I am on naturally on the left side. I'm like, okay, so I, I, what's happening. What did I do? What do they want to talk to me about? Oh my goodness. Right. So that changes how I think about that situation and therefore how I behave. And so my heart rate goes up. I go back to that office thinking, okay, how am I going to handle this? What am I, you know, I better stay calm. I get into the office and I sit down, and this, this you know, chief financial officer, this is a true story, says, Spencer, I, I, I need your help with brainstorming. I know you have some great ideas and I would really like your feedback. I'm like, oh, right. So on the other hand, those people on the right side, you know, they get a call from, from someone. Hey, I'd like to meet with you. Oh, this is great. I have an opportunity to, to speak with, with the CFO and, and really put my best foot forward. They, they will see that naturally. And one is not better than the other. So that's, that's the first dichotomy.
0: Understood. Understood. Okay. So that's, that's the vertical axis. What's the horizontal axis?
1: Excellent. So the horizontal axis, if you're above the horizontal axis, you feel that you are more powerful than your environment. So for example, if you see the world as a challenge, as a problem, the environment can be negative, right? But you see that you are more powerful than than the environment. That means you have control and therefore will take action. And so typically people with that perspective are what we call high dominant, right? Because, yeah, there are problems, but I'm going to beat it into submission. So depending on whether you feel like you have more power than the environment, that will depend on how you're going to communicate and how you're going to show up. People below the line will see themselves perhaps as less powerful than the environment. So they might be more reserved, more careful, more thoughtful. They might be more prepared for a conversation because they don't want to be caught off guard. Maybe they'll, they'll partner with other people to make them feel safer, or they won't make a decision by themselves. They will they will collaborate with a group of people to make sure that everybody's bought in so it feels safe.
0: Well, I can tell from those descriptions intrinsically, I understand where I would fit in the quadrant. Right. And and I think that it's not terribly difficult to look at members of my team and peg them in the other quadrants. But does that mean that I'm in one quadrant exclusively? Or great can question. My, can my map you know, kind of uh, cross various parts of the quadrant or overlap <laughs> no, parts of the quadrant.
1: So, so perfect question. We all we all have elements of all of those quadrants. However, we will typically have one quadrant or maybe two where we have a, a, a dual high trait, if you will. And so, based on situations, we will typically be guided by the trait that is dominant. So, fifty to seventy percent of your behavior will be determined by your high trait. It is not all of who you are. It is a part of who you are. But if you can get 50 to 70% of it right with people, you're, you know, that's going to really help you improve your communication and your team performance. So you, the good news about that is it means that you have something in common with just about everybody, even though they may have a different high trait than you. And so there's room to, to kind of, Get to neutral with with your team because if you have a high trait of dominance or, or what we call patience or high trait of, of extroversion, that doesn't mean you get to just say this is who I am. Deal with it. It means that you can find something in, in part of your behavior that can uh, can relate to others and therefore improve your results.
0: I feel like intuitively this makes sense, but putting it into practice may be another matter. So, how do I how do I develop? the skill set or or acquire the tools that I need to effectively cu- communicate with people who have these very different styles?
1: Well, the first thing is, is that you have to learn about who you are and learn about your natural tendencies. The, the key to uh, really being effective as a leader or a, a member of a team is to understand your strengths. And how you impact the team and others around you, how you respond to others, and why certain things are happening. Because it's you know sometimes we have relationships on our team that well I just I really struggle with this person over here. You know maybe we think that they're just insensitive or or they're they're not taking action or they're too passive and we get frustrated with them. But this person over here I really connect with, I really click with. And when we find out that there are reasons why, based on their personality, that we get along with some and not others. Then we can start to demystify, I understand what's going on with this relationship. It's not about, do I like them or do they like me? Because remember, we talked in previous podcasts, a lot of what we believe isn't true. So if you can understand that this is not not somebody who has a problem with you, it's just they communicate in this way because of their, their natural tendencies. And that has an impact on you when you understand that you can begin to give people more grace and have more empathy and begin to approach them differently.
0: You know, what I find interesting about this, if I understand what you're saying correctly, um, probably the most important thing that you can do is be brutally honest with yourself. Yes. And and that doesn't mean to diminish your abilities or, you know, to say, okay I'm a terrible person or to inflate yourself, but just to be very pragmatic about who you really are. I, I find that That uh, when it comes to some of these communications that I have, um, when I'm trying to resolve conflict, sometimes I have to be willing to put aside my own personal feelings to achieve a greater objective, or at least it's a a greater objective in my mind, you know. Yes. I I want to say this because it would make me feel better, I think, if I just vented this or I really said this. But maybe that strategy is not the best strategy because it won't lead to the ultimate outcome that I desire.
1: Right, right. Well, that comes with awareness and and practice and And I think the second part to that is after really learning about yourself, is to avoid determinism. This is who I am, this is who I'll always be, you know, just just deal with it. You have natural tendencies, and you can adapt. you can you can learn how to change. Sometimes it takes you know major life, uh, uh, happenings for somebody to make changes in how they communicate and how they behave. It doesn't have to be that way. You can make small and simple. I'm talking about just little things that you can start to do that will have a big impact and will help you to start changing your behavior to respond in appropriate ways, given the circumstances based on what you were just telling me, right? So you can adjust, not change who who you are, you know, your beliefs or your values, but how you behave to get a better result, to do it with more consciousness, to do
0: it with more intention. So what are some of these really small and simple things that people can do on a daily basis to help develop these skills and improve their communication in their team?
1: The first thing is, 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 is find out who you are, what your natural tendencies are. And, you know, the, the quadrant that I was describing to you, um, Marshton never created a, a survey, but there, there, there's so much history up in these tools that I could share with you, and how they developed through World War II and into 1954 with the Predictive Index, and 1956 with um, the Disc Profile, which is based on the quadrants that I talked about. The challenge with with some of these tools is the first one I mentioned is very deterministic. In other words, this is your profile. This is who you are. This is who you always be, and and that creates some problems for leaders because uh, if it's deterministic, that means that you have certain skills that will, will, will pigeonhole you in a certain area. And I don't believe that. I think that if you know what your strengths are, you can adapt. If your interests are strong, let's say you have a you know the, the ideal profile for a salesperson. is high extroversion, high dominance, low conformity. Well, I know some of the best salespeople ever have high conformity, low dominance, low extroversion. They've learned how to use their strengths in a way that is brilliant. So you have to understand how to adapt your strengths to the situation. Maybe you're somebody that has low extroversion and you just hate being in, in public. So you are attracted to jobs that are in the back room, maybe IT, maybe accounting, right? On the other hand, maybe you have low extroversion. You want to get out of your shell and you want to grow and develop. And so you have a motivation to change. So understand that you want to use a tool that can help you to develop your strengths and identify your your, your opportunities. So I happen I've used many over the years. And about seven years ago, I started using what's called uh, ProScan, which is from PDP Global, and I think one of the you don't have to use this. You can, I'm you know I'm fairly agnostic. If you use another tool, I can help you with that. But I find it's one of the most accurate available. I, I recommend you do avoid things like the Myers or Briggs or the Type Indicator because those are based on you know theory. They're not scientifically validated, even though they've been around and widely used. You want a tool that is scientifically validated and continually updated for language and and culture. And this is a tool that has done that. So it's one of the reasons why I like to use it. Plus, it's super fast. I mean, it takes like five to 10 minutes to complete, which is amazing. You get all this data. So take a survey. If you want to take one of those, um, I'll give it to you. Go to altiumleadership.com and you can see on the front page, you can request a a survey. So take it. Secondly, go through and make sure it's accurate. And I. I want to describe to you just some of the high traits so that I can give you the suggestions that you've talked about. If you find that your high trait is dominant or high dominance, so, so these are people who are very competitive in areas that they feel are important. Uh, they're usually most productive when they have minimal supervision. They want to be in control. Um, and so in extreme situations, your high dominance will become what we call a dictatorial steamroller. They will disregard other people's feelings. They will over overpower resistance to uh, to change with force, and and they will have a disregard for people's feelings. And so, in these times, and we're start, we're gonna do I'll do all four of the major uh, cornerstone behavioral traits. These high dominance can get frustrated right now in these times because projects may be stalling and not moving forward. You know, people perhaps aren't responding to their calls and. The high dominant person wants to continually move things forward. And if proper resources aren't available for working remotely, frustration is, is going to compound and they can explode and make threats and demands. What I'm sharing with you right now is based on some research that PDP did during this time and how people are responding during the pandemic based on their personality style. And these are some of the things that high dominance are are found to do. And what happens is, is when they feel like they're losing control or have no control, high dominance will revert to their backup style, which is that dictatorial steamroller. And they're trying to gain or maintain control of the situation. So what can you do? Here's the first suggestion allow them to, you know, to let off some steam, let them cool down and get refocused. Don't react right away and don't take it personally. Allow, just allow them to have some space because understand why it's happening is the the first thing. And that will help you then to help them solve problems. If you can just back off a little bit, allow them to, to have their rant. But for some styles that can seem very threatening, Right understand it's not an attack against you. It's just how
0: they're feeling in this current situation. So I have an interesting thought on this. Well, at least it's interesting to me. I don't know if anybody else will find it interesting. (laughs) And this, this may actually in part reveal where I am, but I'm definitely not this kind of person. And, and I have found in the past, it's been difficult for me To communicate with or deal with these kinds of people, because I have made judgments, perhaps erroneously, right, that these people are self centered. Yeah, because they, as you said, they, they dictate and, and when they do ask a request, if it's not necessarily a a direct command, they will phrase it in first person, like, I need you to do this. Right. And that's always graded me when people right. say, I need you to do this right. because it seems like well, it's all about you then, isn't it? It's whatever right. you need. Well, what about what everybody else needs? <laughs> so so how do you how do people like me overcome right. their biases to work effectively with these high dominant people and lay aside the judgment?
1: So great, great, great question. So the first thing is is if you understand and my belief is and we haven't taken, have we done a survey
0: on you? I don't think house. so. I'm going to do this. I got to yeah. do this survey after this podcast. I, I want yeah, to do that survey. I, I,
1: I've known you for many years. I believe that your high trait is what we call pace patience. You also have a lot of conformity. It's not you're not just one thing. We have. I'm simplifying this. There's a lot. Each one of us have a, has a profile that is unique to us. Where somebody who takes the survey will not have the exact profile for another two hundred and fifty thousand people. So that's how unique you your profile is. And so we are making some basic observations based on high traits. So I want that to be clear. So for you, if in fact you are what we call high pace or patient, um, the thing to do is just ask yourself, is this my need to be in harmony right now? Or can I let this go and allow this person to, to have their control? Right? This is a conversation that you have to have in your head. now. That person needs to start working on how to let go of control, right? And sometimes they're, they're you know, they're, they're frustrated because things aren't happening as fast as they want. They want things to happen the way they want. They want you, Christian, to do it the way they want you to do it. That's not always very effective for team performance, is it?
0: No. <laughs> and quite honestly, as I said before, I, f- I find it... Um discomforting. I don't right. want to, I don't like to be around people that treat others that way. Right. And at the same time, I have to realize, well, I can't control, nor do I wish to control everyone, Exactly. everyone's behavior. It's not my burden to change everybody's personalities. Right. That's not my so, responsibility. So what I can do is just focus on myself and try to develop some more understanding.
1: Correct. Correct. And, and just so you know, this is what you're describing is my high trait. So the problem people that you have is me. And one of the things that I've learned, Christian, over the years is that I have created disengagement on my teams because I've like, I need you to do this my way. Right. And what happens is that takes ownership away from your team and they become less engaged and less. And so a lot of times if you ask high dominance who the best leaders are, well, they are because they're take charge and they're like, you know, they get things done. But at what cost? And and so one of the things I've had to learn is to let go of control and let others have Hey, Christian, um, you know, here's the goal that we all agreed on. What is it that you feel like needs to happen so you can achieve your portion of that goal and and allow you to have that space? How would you respond to that?
0: Well, what I think is really interesting about what you just said, although it may not be a reveal to the (laughs) level of. No, Luke, I am your father. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's interesting about that is I think that that um, at least for me personally, I get along fine with people who are high dominant as peers where it, where it becomes difficult for me is they manage if you're you. in a if, if I'm managed by them, then then I, then I then I it's hard for me. So that's really, really interesting that you said that. But what's also really interesting to me is that you have demonstrated that you can recognize that in yourself, yeah. and that is something that you can work on. And I think sometimes people over in my quadrant, whatever that quadrant is, uh, sometimes think that, oh, well, these people are not the people that want to change because they just want to do things their way all the time. And so for me to hear that someone who is high dominant has a willingness and a keep, and a capacity to change behavior to achieve better outcomes is quite inspiring and uh, faith building. <laughs>
1: Thank you. You know, I've been married for 33 years, and my wife is a high pace. She's my exact opposite in almost every way, and so we have the opportunity to clash a lot. If you look at it one way, if you look at it another way, every single weakness that I have, she has as strengths, and every single weakness she has, I have as strengths. So together, we make a. You want to talk about diversity on teams and team performance? This is an example of how you can be high performing because I approach the problems with our children differently than she does. And in some circumstances I have to back off and she has to tell me, listen, do you really want to go there and get the results right now? Or do you want to have a relationship with your son? And I have to stop and think about that and say, you know what, Uh, first of all, I'm defensive. Like, what do you mean? Uh, He needs to hear this, right? I have had to learn. And over these 33 years, I've had to learn. And if you ask her, the good news is, is that all of us can change. Now, I still have those tendencies. And in extreme situations, that backup style will come out if I'm not careful. And I have to work on it. And we all do, right? It's, it's you've heard of the term natural man, that's my natural man, my natural style. So we've just talked about dominance. And I could talk about this for days and days, Christian, but I want to I go through and we're just going to talk about the high traits, we're not going to talk about what are called low traits, because this profile really identifies where you're high and and low, and they all make different things. So if you have a high trait of, let's do your style, uh, perceived, I'm assuming. Uh, So someone with a high pace is really, these are people that are typically attentive listeners, they're patient instructors, they're good coaches, they're good mentors, they're persistent and dependable. You are a, a stable influence. You're mediators, and you can adjust to just about any justifiable pace of work, and you're somebody that uses your time effectively. So typically, someone with a high pace is going to accomplish tasks through patience and persistence, and they're going to observe cause and effect before taking action, and they prefer consistent, established, and predictable pace. In other words, you know, here's what I like to do every day. I like to have a routine routine. If there's a good reason to break that routine, you will. But if there's not, then you're going to push back. You want to make the best of everything to avoid causing trouble or, or dissension, right? So harmony is important. You want people to get along. One of the things you mentioned earlier is that you, when people are direct like that, it seems like they don't care about others. They don't care about the team. When somebody's high pace, you are very concerned with others. You are very concerned about the team. The focus is almost others first. And so one of the things that I almost I call it the mama bear trait, right? And here's the thing about it's the nicest of all the traits, but don't let that fool you because people with high pace can sometimes be taken advantage of by high dominant personalities because they don't always react right away. But here's the problem: they have a slow fuse, and it keeps every time you step on their toes, it just keeps building and building and building until they blow up, and then they can turn into what I call the Incredible Hulk, right? You've got Doctor Bannisters this nice mild mannered person. But then they could blow up, and then they like these are the people that will blow up caterpillar tractors that are carrying down the forest, or whaling ships that are in international waters. You know, they're the ones who stop hurting the planet, which is wonderful. But they can get violent if you're if you're mean and you're a bully. They can react. They can react strongly to bullies. Would you agree with that?
0: Yes, uh, I think everything that you said, yeah, that pretty much <laughs> fits me. And I think the problem with a slow fuse. That I've noticed over the years is that when it finally I can't contain it anymore and it all comes out, I say things that I regret for a very long time.
1: Yeah. And then then you feel really bad that the fact that you let it get that far, you actually feel guilty.
0: That's right. And then and then and people think, well, that was so out of character. You know, I didn't know that you actually could be so mean. And and it's not an intention to be mean, but it is a problem. I think another problem for. For me, and I don't know if this applies to all people like me, yeah. is is that because you want things to be perfect, you can procrastinate if you cannot clearly see the destination. Like if I Correct. if I don't know exactly how this is going to work out, I will become paralyzed, and I will Correct. and I will try to find my way until it gets to it. And sometimes uh, you don't have time.
1: Right. You don't want to be caught without the answer. And what you've just described is your second high trait, which is what's called conformity. And that's wanting to get things right. And you're motivated by accuracy, by, you know, by structure, by rules. And so part of that is, you know, when we, it's so interesting. I I want to share with our listeners our interaction before we actually started our podcast today. You and I were emailing, right? And, you know, we had talked generally about this concept or this topic today. And I've been so busy that I haven't been able to create an outline. You're like, Hey, what are the details? What are we going to be talking about? Because you want to be prepared. That's right. And what did I, and what did I say to you?
0: Oh, well, I want to talk about this. We'll, we'll figure it out on the call.
1: (laughs) So this is like, Hey, you know, I I just totally brushed it off. And my response was very short. And if I'm correct, you were like, Oh, geez, you roll with it because you know, we, we have evidence that we can do this. And you are very good at adapting, but that's not your
0: comfort zone. Yeah. I don't need everything scripted out, but if I have no. four or five points, I'm like, okay, I've got a, I've got a structure there. I've got a skeleton and I can hang on that. That's fine. But if I have absolutely nothing to go by, then it's a, uh, it's like so, walking out into uncharted waters. It's a little so scary. So here's what
1: will happen in the workplace. You'll send emails that are, Hey, I'd like this detail here. Here are my bullet points. Here's what we want to go over. You send an email to somebody like me and they respond fine. Yes, and you're like, "To which part did you want are you saying fine to?" Does that happen to you? Oh
0: yeah, uh, all the time, all the time. <laughs> and and my coworkers, they they do tease me because my emails are very lengthy because I don't want to have I don't want to leave any doubt
1: or have misunderstanding or Or have any
0: misunderstandings. And so I I write very long, structured emails with headings and subheadings and bullets and everything like this. They're like little documents.
1: So FYI, if you send that to me, I'm not reading it.
0: And that's the and that's the problem, right? I spend so (laughs) much time trying to cover all the bases that I probably end up putting in too much information and it's not easily digestible.
1: And so what, this is a, a great example. What my style is not correct, neither is your style. They're both right, right? So we, we ha- when you're talking to someone, if I'm talking to someone like you, I need to be more aware and actually be more considerate. And I apologize to you that I wasn't considerate today because I I have been so busy catching up on everything. And I'm like, oh, we'll just right, get to it. Don't It'll worry Okay. It. No right? apologies. See how easy no and apologies. nice you are? But if I was to be more effective, it would be, all right, here's what I think. But some people need that time and they need that preparation. I don't. But as a result of that, I create discomfort for others. And this is a perfect example. this is why I brought it up because it's happening every day in the workforce. And we've only talked about two and a half of the high traits, right? So let's get, let's finish talking about how your high trait, which I believe is pace, responds in extreme situations. You, it, it doesn't mean you actually do this, but the tendency will feel like to avoid conflict, right? and outwardly appear calm, and then you might go to others and complain, oh my gosh, did you? can you believe what Spencer just did? He's so inconsiderate. But you won't maybe tell me to my face. Now, I know we're friends, so you'll tell me to my face. But typically, this is what will happen for, with somebody like our traits, right? You'll go to the water cooler and say, can you believe what he said in that meeting? And in many ways, that is when it comes to team performance, that's almost as insidious as the leader who created dysfunction and disengagement on the team, right? We're not actually addressing that individual in a way that could help them solve that problem.
0: I want to talk about this a little bit. And I'm going to, as you brought in your wife as a very good example, I'm going to do the same with mine. It is absolutely true in our case that opposites attract. Yeah. And she and her personality is very similar to yours in many respects. She is absolutely a go-getter. She, she wants to be super productive. And I and I say that she is spicy. You know, she's got a spicy personality. I I like that spicy. But but one thing that I've always admired about her and I have tried to reciprocate is that she never says anything negative about me to others. She says it to you. She'll yeah, she'll tell me, (laughs) which is okay. You know, it's all right. I know she's, I know she's doing it because she has good intentions and she wants me to yeah. be the best version of myself. And it took me a while to come to that realization, but she's had a lot of friends throughout her life who have complained about their marriages, who have yeah. you know said very negative things about their spouses and it's always bothered her. And as a result, I don't say things that are negative about her behind her back because I have... A lot of respect for her even though we have these very different personality styles and she is very uh, respectful in conversation with others when it comes to me and and that really changed me because i was when i was much younger much like what you're describing which is be nice to someone in front of their face but then behind their back uh, maybe say disparaging things and and she taught me how important it is to be real and and to be honest And sincere when you're talking to people because people can see through that. They know, they can sense if you're being manipulative. And I don't want to be a manipulative person. And so uh, it's important to be honest in communication.
1: I love this story. And there's a couple of things I want to point out about it. First of all, this is a great example of direct versus indirect communication, right? So the direct communicator, which are typically your high dominance, high extroverts, they will tell you to your face what you're thinking. Indirect communicators, like high conformity or high pace, will will either talk behind your back or around about. And so it's not that you're an evil person or anything like that. It's it's a natural that's why I said it's predictive behavioral analysis, because when you have those traits naturally, those will be your tendencies. But as you just pointed out, just because it's your natural tendency does not mean you have to behave that way. And one of the ways that we can start to change, and you you don't even realize it, you have just pointed out, and that is to identify something about your opposite style that you admire. So find that one thing that you admire and remember that. And and I love that you did that uh, about your wife, that that she has that ability to, to be real and share that with you. And you admire that. And as a result, you actually begin to shift your own traits and behaviors to be more assertive. And that's an assertive style of communication. People misunderstand the difference between aggressive and assertive. You're learning how to be more assertive. Aggressive means I'm right at your expense. Assertive means I'm standing up for my rights while not stepping on your rights. And you can be somebody that is kind and caring and still be assertive. I work with lots of healthcare professionals, and so you have the doctors, right, the surgeons who have that strong, aggressive personality. They're they're working with the 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 healthcare uh, providers that are nurses and that are nurturing and caring. And you have exactly this dynamic of opposites and it creates a lot of frustration. The nurses never well, you know many times, I shouldn't say never say never, they struggle confronting the doctors, a because of position power, because of education, because of dominance, because they're perceived as bullies, and so they go and complain at the water cooler. And it creates lots of frustration and dysfunction, a lot of unhealthy healthcare environments for this very reason.
0: Sometimes you can think that this is like turning a loyal tinker. You know, it takes a a huge amount of energy, effort and time. I mean, if you're wanting to change this dynamic for yourself, primarily, I mean, I, I imagine it's something that you learn over time. It's not something that switches on and off overnight. How do you stay the course, you know, without without losing steam, without losing momentum? So great, great question.
1: And the answer is, uh, there's several layers and and, uh, things that will happen. I see people make shifts immediately. I have gone through people's surveys with them, and it had an immediate impact. They They picked one or two things that they could start working on right away. And just that awareness and realizing, oh, this is not a matter of liking or disliking this individual. It's a matter of a behavioral development this is this is how i've developed and this is how they've developed and this is what's causing the thing it's not a personal thing so now i can i can recognize that and start to drop my animosity my sword if you will and figure out how to work with them just that mindset alone you know we've talked about how important mindset is and what we believe that's a perfect example if we can just shift our mindset and say hey if I adjust myself a little bit, and I'm talking about three to 5% Christian, you don't have to make a massive change. You talked about not just not talking behind your wife's back. I mean, how big of a deal is that really? Just talking to her when you have a problem. That's a small thing, but it makes a huge impact. So the first answer I want to give you is, is that you can make very, very small shifts in your behavior that will have a huge impact on the team right away. And your perception of of, of effectiveness will go way up. So I see teams make immediate shifts. And in many cases, that can uh, can stay with them forever. What's going to happen, Christian, is you're going to have people coming and going on that team all the time. The team dynamic is a system that's constantly changing. So you have to keep this as a focus. You can't just say, hey, I took my survey. I know that I'm You know, high conformity. And so therefore, great, I put that away. I never address it. You have to be aware of how you're showing up and impacting the team and how you're communicating and relating with that new person. So it's it's something that has to be part of your leadership style. It can't just be, hey, we need to bring in a consultant and tell us who we are. And that was fun and interesting. It is, this has to be a part of how you lead. It has to become a part of you. I actually teach my clients how to insert these principles and use them, not from me coming in and telling them, it's teaching them how to use it, teaching them how to identify each other, and how to mentor and coach each other. And then it becomes part of what they do. It's not an event that you bring in a speaker for it is part of our leadership and and professional organizational development.
0: All right, well, Spencer, man, I I've learned so much here in the last hour of conversation, and I realize that we've only talked about one of the four styles predominantly, and <laughs> and so um, we probably need to continue the conversation in subsequent weeks.
1: Yeah, I, I apologize. We you know we set a foundation in talking about where some of this comes from, and I think that's important. It'll be much faster when we get talking about the other styles and then what you can do and how to help them just be uh, you know more accepted, more productive during this pandemic and I really want to give you that information and so I, I agree let's let's do that next time.
0: All right Spencer you talked about the survey and you've talked about things on your website is that the best way for people to contact you?
1: Yeah, go to altiumleadership.com, a l t i u m leadership.com. There's actually a couple places where you can go and fill out a request to to do a survey and and I will give you a demo. This is a this is a survey that people pay hundreds of dollars for to go through it with with an expert. Um, and so this is not a, you know, it's it's quick, but it is a very, very powerful tool. You'll get 18 pages of a report uh, to go with that. And I think it will be very, very helpful for people. And, and when you put that together with teams and relationships and marriages, it is a powerful
0: tool. All right. Excellent. Spencer, thank you so much. And for me, if you want to contact me, you can do so at cnapier at gp4.com. That's gp4.com. Listeners, thanks so much. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll see you again next week.